read about thought-provoking topics? Read along with a stress-free book club that fits into a busy lifestyle. From out of the pages to real life, explore the fine line between fiction and nonfiction as we pull from bestsellers that will change your life. Tune in to our bi-weekly book club of mind-bending and empowering stories hosted by Nova Lorraine, founder of Rain Magazine, and her two co-hosts, Toby Santagato and Barbara Donato. Welcome to another episode of Tuesday's Book Club. This is Nova Lorraine, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Toby Santagato and Barbara Donato. Hey, ladies. Hi. Our books are smart fiction and thought-provocative nonfiction. We seek out bestsellers and sometimes controversial books where we help our listeners, our readers on their journey of growth. Our reads are all about transformation. And this week we are covering Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And before we get into what we think about the book, for those of you that are joining us for the first time, we usually start off with a summary from the publisher. And so according to the publisher of Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill's Law of Success is a philosophy for personal achievement, and the book Think and Grow Rich explains how to prepare the mind to receive it. It begins with a burning, unstoppable desire to accomplish what you want. And throughout the book, Hill discusses in great detail the steps to accomplish desire and the laws of success. He believed that there was one quality that every single one of us must possess in order to win, definiteness of purpose. You need to know what you want and have a burning desire to achieve it. Think and Grow Rich is a psychological guide to success. So that's the summary, guys. What did you think? I love this book. I actually bought the guided journal so that I could implement a lot of what he wrote into my life. Mm. Like I really, really believe we did an episode called Asking It Is Given. And mm-hmm. I felt like that book was transformational for me. I truly believe that what I'm learning, I'm going to say what I'm learning because I'm still, like I said, I'm doing the guided journal, is going to also be very transformational for me this year. Mm, so. I love that. I didn't even know they had a journal. So you may have to text that. <laughs> this is my second time, two and a half times uh, in terms of reading the book. And I think it never gets old. There's always something new that I pull from it. Toby, what did you think? I love how it hones in on desire. We tend to just be on autopilot or we pick desires that are not necessarily internal and authentic. Like I desire money. I desire to be skinny. I desire to be rich. But this book really talks about desire on a different level, which I thought was also transformational because it's about what do you want? And then when you hone in on that desire, the rest falls into place. But without honing in and knowing what you want, which seems so simplistic, you're not going to become rich. You're not going to become successful because you're going about it in a backwards way. So I, I really love this book and how that helped me think about what I want from a desire standpoint. I love that as well. I'll have to agree with both of you on that. You know, some... Some people feel that thinking grow rich is a state of mind and it's about manifesting strong desires. It's about turning your purpose into reality. There is actually a formula that is laid out. If you look at the book in totality, it's desire plus ideas plus plans plus massive action equals success. So for listeners that are taking notes, desire plus ideas plus plans plus massive actions equals success. And what he does is what Napoleon does is go through step by step how to achieve each of those things. And it's really interesting because within the book, he's not only talking about how to get a successful career in the most simple sense, he goes into imagination, he goes into How do you transmute sexual energy? He's going into things that you wouldn't think has to do with how to bring your ideas into reality. And that's what's so interesting. But 
another takeaway is that he's also walking you through history because he's not just saying, oh, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. He's giving you constantly examples of individuals that have failed or succeeded that a lot of their legacy names in terms of their company names are still in existence today. So I thought that was pretty powerful as well. Yeah, I have to um, tell you one of the most amazing things that happened out of this book. We celebrate Hanukkah. And in this book, when I was reading it, there's a part where it's spoiler alert. He describes how he created a group of mentors that he converses with. Oh, wait, wait, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Girl, oh, hold, hold, okay, okay. Hold, all right. Hold, you better hurry. Hold. I don't know if I can hold it in. So, all right. All right. All right hold, hold. We want to we like walk, walk the listeners through this. There's so much great content there. And I do want to make sure that we get time to cover it. So let's talk about desire. Toby, you brought up desire. Yep. And Napoleon talks about it as a turning point of achievement. And it's about pulling you towards your goal and getting your motivations out there. He wraps it into career. He wraps it into how you could be a good leader, how you can increase the amount of money you earn. And then what I love is he talks about failure and how our perspective of failure could change based on his philosophies. And last but not least, he discusses other people's desires and how through helping others, we can achieve our own. So I want to just pause there and get your both of your thoughts on how he breaks down desire as this turning point of achievement. And, and please share any of any examples or what jumps out at you as it relates to career or being a leader or money or failure or even just working with someone else to help them with their desires. Well, my like key, what I love about Napoleon Hill is he likes to incorporate stories. Mm-hmm. He talks about all the different or the, the powerful, most influential men that he was able to, what is it, that he was able to study in his, you know, I guess in his generation. And I loved it because he brought all of what they've done together as examples to describe what everything that he, you know, that he talked about in his book. Mm-hmm. One of them was a guy mm-hmm. named Edwin Barnes. And he was saying how Edwin Barnes had a desire to work with Thomas Edison. And I love mm. the story because he was like, he didn't know how he was going to get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, did, mm-hmm. he didn't know, like he didn't have the funds to get there. He didn't know what he was going to do, but he just knew that he was going to work with Thomas Edison. Mm. Mm-hmm. And he just knew it. And he had this strong desire. Mm. That was something, a burning desire, it actually. And, and another thing that I like, in my version of Think and Grow Rich, mm-hmm. when he wants to emphasize words or phrases, mm-hmm. he capitalizes them. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that he capitalized was burning desire. Yes. That came up um, so many times. Yes. Burning. Burning <laughs> desire. And like I stated before, he wanted to, to work with Thomas Edison, but he didn't even have enough money to pay for his railroad fare. And mm-hmm. what I was going to say was because of that desire, he put everything and all his resources in motion, mm-hmm. not only to work with Thomas Edison, but to like gain Thomas Edison's respect. Mm. I think almost to where he was a partner, if I, if I remember correctly. Yeah, you know, no, you're and, absolutely and so right with that. That to me alone, like when I, and mind you, this is like the introduction of the book. <laughs> that alone to me was like this man who Thomas Edison didn't know from a hole in the wall but probably never have met in his entire life ever in, in his circle was like, Oh, I'm not only do I not have the funds and not only do I not have the means to meet you. I don't care. I don't care because I, I know because what I have is the desire, the burning, the burning <laughs> capital, all caps, the burning well, desire to meet you. And that, that hooked me. That yeah. I, I love that story that you're sharing and you're absolutely right. There's a ton of stories in this book. And if Barbara and I both write, we love stories. So this was great. So there's two things that I feel that overlaps in terms of this area around desire. One is the, in the career section, he talks about looking for growth opportunities and within a company, as opposed to salary or benefits, like he showed up willing to not get paid, willing to help Mr. Edison grow and to prove himself, right? So who's going to say no to that? I'm just saying. 
And then it also covers the part around other people's desires. Edison had this desire to bring this invention forward and then you needed to make money, right? He needed to live. And so here's this gentleman that shows up to say, hey, I want to help you and I'm going to prove myself and I'm not going anywhere. And I'm willing to work for however long it needs to, how long it takes. And so when you show up to someone else and to help them, obviously he, in his mind, Barnes had his goal of, here's someone I believe in. I believe in their creative power. I know my gifts and together it's magic. And so, but if someone shows up and shows you that admiration, that shows you that they're willing to invest in you, their time, their energy, their gifts, it's hard to say no to that. And then he wasn't looking for a title. It was not ego driven. He's like, this is what I want and this is how I can do it. And then he was more focused on the growth opportunity. So I just wanted to point that out with that story. Toby, I know you wanted to jump in. I'd love for you also to touch on under desire, if you can also touch on how to lead and what he talks about in terms of money. Yeah, I think what's interesting is there's another story in there that has to do with desire. I don't know if you all remember, but it's about the Ford story. And it's mm. like when you have a vision for something and nobody's buying in, there's two types of people. The people that give up because, well, it must be dumb. Nobody's buying in. And then the people that are so sure of their vision that no matter what, they're going to hold to it. So I think that that's what happens is Ford is already successful, but he has this idea to revolutionize some kind of, I don't remember what product it was, but that he was doing in a car. I don't know if you guys remember which one it was, but I don't think it matters to the story. And he had a team of engineers at this point. And the engineers kept saying, not possible, not possible for a year. And he never bought into that. He was like, no, it is possible. Go back, go back. I love that story. (laughs) I like one of my favorite stories. Fast forward, of course it was possible. And he believed enough and Mm. talks about, there's always this saying about Edison, one of his famous sayings, it's not how many times I failed, it's how many times it didn't work, right? Mm. That transforms for for people that are successful. It's They don't just stop at the first failure. They know that end result and that desire is so powerful and profound that they're going to get there. And yeah, there's some trials and tribulations and, and things that didn't work out. But it's yeah, yeah. So I love that Ford story, like that. Yeah, never gave up. That's a really, really great story. And you mentioned failure a couple times, so I'm just going to skip forward to that because it's an excellent story, not just from a burning desire standpoint. Because he wanted this so badly, this solution so badly, he waited for a year of failures, no's, not working, and said, "Nope." However long it takes, go back, go back, and it forced his team to think outside the box, to be more imaginative, to try new solutions. And like you said, he didn't give up. And what Napoleon talks about as it relates to failure is that if we can look at them without getting emotionally attached to them and see it as a growth opportunity. You mentioned, Toby, that it wasn't how many times, what, what was it? You said it wasn't how many times Not it how didn't many work. Times it was just how many times it didn't work. That was like yes. a very famous quote. And it's something mm. like that. It's mm. he, he really didn't look at his, his attempts as failures. He looked at them as like, well, that didn't work. Well, that didn't work. And it's just like, let me recalculate. But the the burning desire and the goal maintained itself. And it's just the path. You try one thing. If it doesn't work, you don't quit on your goal. You don't quit on that burning desire. You just know that that one segment was not the right approach. Okay, let me try a different approach. And it's such right. a way to a- achieve something if you truly are passionate about your desire. I agree. There's a, there's something that I share often, which is when you realize something that you don't want or that doesn't work, it gets you closer to what will work, right? You just crash, scratch those things off, off the list. Barbara, you're going to jump in. Yes. Failure. There was a story that he talked about regarding, are you Darby's uncle? I don't know if you ladies remember that one Mm. where he decided that he wanted to like join the gold rush. Um, And remember this is like, like think late 1800s, early 1900s. And he, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember. Asked his family for money. Great story. I love this story. That's one of my favorites. (laughs) Right? Asked his family for money. He was like, we got this. We're going to do it. And he found it prime land, drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled and got nothing. And he kept drilling and got nothing. And finally, he was like, you know what? 
This isn't working. Let's just go on to the next venture. Sold it to a junk man. And he called him a junk man. And the junk man had the sense of mind to go to an engineer and say, hey, can you look at this land prospect and tell me, like, is there anything there? And he said, actually, yes. The problem that RB, that RU Darby's uncle was doing was he was drilling, I think, by a fault line. And if he had drilled, like, I think it was maybe three feet away or a few feet away, he would have hit the mark. So the junk man ended up doing what the engineer told him to do and made millions of dollars in ore from that mine. Yeah, I think it was one of the largest and most successful gold mines, if I remember correctly. And it's it, there's a term that comes from that either two feet from gold or three feet from gold. When you give up, you're literally that close to winning. So don't give up. And he did take that lesson and he did earn some really great success after he sold that gold mine. But there's another detail in there that I think is important is he did have early success and he went back and asked for more resources to continue to dig for gold and then it ran out. And that happens to us sometimes in life. We start something new, we get successful for whatever reason, it doesn't work anymore. And then how many of us just walk away? Like he did, he walked away. All that energy and effort that he put in all the investment and the equipment and the land. And he walked away and he said he wouldn't, he, that was a lesson for him that he had to learn to accomplish whatever he accomplished later in life because he would never do that again. And then here we are talking about the story. So clearly it was meant to happen. So that is a really, really excellent story around failure and not giving up and knowing when you are down and sometimes you're that close to hitting gold. I want to jump quickly, speaking of gold, to touch on money. And it's such a hot topic and why most people pick up this book because it talks about getting rich in the title, right? So most people are concerned about where they stand financially. And that may be what leads them to this book. When they get through the book, they're going to see how transformed they are so much more than just potentially that money goal. But what he talks about as it relates to money is be definite about how much money, okay? Like that's bold. I want this much. And Also, he talks about putting a date to it. Well, when do you want it? And that's a little scary because guess what? What if you put it down, you put the date, it didn't happen. Are you going to give up? Are you going to, oh, this didn't work, forget it. So that was interesting. And then he said, attach it to a plan, be clear. And I think that's part of an issue that many of us may have is how clear and concise can you be? Is this very blurry? Is it a very blurry idea and and a vague concept? He's talking about clear and concise as it relates to how you're going to get it. And then what do you plan to give in return for it? So that's also something really interesting. So it's this really detailed formula on how to earn and grow money that, again, I don't think a lot of books talk about. What do you guys want to say about that? I think it's really interesting. I don't necessarily think this only applies to entrepreneurs. Obviously, it could mainly be the target market. But I think like if you're going for a new job, say, and you go there with the intention of just getting the job versus the intention of creating the structure you want from pay and bonuses and commissions, if it's a commission-based job, what's going to show up for you is what you desire right? If you go in there and you just hope to get the job, you're probably not going to get as much. And a good friend of mine once told me, her name's Nova, by the way, there's nothing worse than taking a job for less than you deserve because over time you end up not working as hard. So I think that it's really important that you set your intention of what you deserve, right? And what your goals are. And you, you work towards that. You don't just, if you go in with vagueness in any type of desire, you're not going to get the achievement at the other end. I really do love those points. I love those points. Barbara, your thoughts. I agree with Toby. I believe that what was, uh, there there was a a quote, I think he stated, and please, I'm just paraphrasing. If you believe it, you can achieve it. That was one of the quotes that actually struck me because one of the things that he talks about in this book is anything that you can imagine is achievable with the, you know, if you have desire uh, to back it up. So Mm. if you do say to yourself, yes, I want to, I believe that I can make a million dollars based on the principles that he puts in place in this book, 
and you have the faith, because that's another facet that he talks about. If you have faith, if you have desire, you can achieve it. You can achieve it. So I do believe, uh, oh my goodness, I love this book. So, <laughs> but I, I <laughs> we're do, gonna, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I do believe that. I do believe that if you believe in it, if you think it, you can achieve it. And that also comes with the amount of money that you can gain uh, once you put your mind to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up faith because that's the next thing we're going to jump into. And just to just really wrap up the money section, he talks about writing it down. Write down your statement, your money statement, and read it out loud twice a day. So I'm just curious. I would love anyone that's listening to challenge themselves with this and let us know, like get in touch with us, email I us. I did that, by the way. I did do it uh, after I read the book. I wrote down my goals, my five-year goals, when it, and it was monetary goals. And I shared them with my husband. So we were on the same page. And I was like, why not? Why not? Yeah. To pay off my house and have no mortgage in the next five years. It's definitely attainable. I want, and we went through the whole thing and I know we're going to do it. It's just, I love it. So I love this because it really helped me personally. And then if you're sharing it, you know, share it with your spouse, share it with your friends, share your goals, because when you put things into the, the universe, you hold there's more accountability to yourself. That's why I think he says, write it down because having sort of like, I want to be rich one day is not tangible enough. How are you going to get there? What do you need monetarily? Mm. And it's, it's freeing. It's actually freeing because then the building blocks can happen because if you don't have the tangible goals, then what are you building towards? Mm, I love that. And then just echoing his point about conciseness and clarity. Well, let's go into faith. Barbara just brought up faith. And in the book, he speaks about faith in the aspect of visualization and belief in the attainment of the desire. So I'm just going to share a quote. Your own success or failure is based largely on your self-belief and a mindset of positive expectancy is the foundation of which your success can be achieved. And again, when you're, when we're reading books about business or success or entrepreneurship, oftentimes the visualization and belief are not brought up. Faith is not a chapter in the book. And so I appreciated that this was something that was included because you could say, yeah, I want to be rich, but if you don't really believe it, you can say it all day long. You can write it down. But if you don't believe it, <laughs> it's not going to happen. So I wanted to get your your thoughts on his concept of faith and how it relates back to this achievement of success. Well, I talked about the book, Ask and It Is Given, <laughs> earlier. And this chapter, there's a couple of chapters that kind of equate to Ask and It Is Given, but this one really does to me because it talks about auto-suggestion, right? It talks about if you think a certain way about yourself or you think a certain way about a situation, that most likely that situation will happen. So mm-hmm. one of the things he writes is, if you think you are beating, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you mm-hmm. like to win, but you think you can't, it is almost certain that you won't. Mm-hmm. If you think you lose, you lo- you're lost. For out of the world, we find... And it goes on, success begins with a fellow's will. It's all mm. in the state of mind. I so, love that. <laughs> great, you know, you know, great quote. And it's, and that's pretty much what it is. We, we can't just say, I'm, you know, going to be a CEO. You can't just say, I'm going to meet Edison. You mm. have to feel that. I mean, mm. and again, you know, we talked about this in asking to give, I'm always going to reference this book as it pertains to this one. Like they both are just amazing to me. If you want it, you have to have that desire. You have to have that emotion and you have to have that faith in yourself that it is possible. Mm. And so that's what I got out of this chapter. I love that. And I just want to touch on some of the things you mentioned that jumped out at me was confidence. And people like to be around confident people, especially if you want to make a positive impact. And so again, if I'm going to go back to Barbara's example of a CEO, well, what impact do you want to make as a CEO? Like what is, why, why do you want to be a CEO? How can you possibly make a difference as a CEO? And that's going to then affect how confident you're, you want to be in this desire that you have. And then the idea around be intentional, make sure you make those actions happen. Don't just sit around and, oh yeah, I want to be a CEO. I'm going to be, well, what is the first step that you're taking today to get there? Is there a class that you need to take? 
are there clothes you need to buy? So you're showing up in, in the right gear. Like, what can you do today to get you closer to that? So I just want to, the confidence was something that jumped out at me that he also talks about as it relates to this section around faith. Toby, what are your thoughts? I think that it's about intentionality. So if you mm-hmm. have a desire and then you have faith for, for anything, things mm-hmm. just show up. They literally show up in your path. And if you're manifesting those, if you're thinking about them and you really are excited, not like, oh God, I've made this decision. I've got this list. I've got to do it. Oy. <laughs> not so much. But if you're like, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do. I finally figured it out. And I'm so super excited. Then what happens is those things literally show up for you. So when I mm. wanted another job for a couple of years, I was like, had a bunch of people say, I would love to hire you. And I wasn't ready. And so it didn't manifest it. But when I decided I'd wanted a new opportunity, then all of a sudden my ears opened up and there it was. So it's just about mm. authentically desiring something and then paying attention. We don't pay attention. Mm. you know. So I was paying attention to people's words and people's actions. And I think that if you have a desire, it will almost automatically manifest itself. The people you connect with. And what you said, Nova, is so true. Like it, people have like, People that are excited get people's attention. If you see somebody that's full of energy and excitement, it's infectious. Mm, That's right. That's right. Well, this is a good time to move into what he talks about as auto-suggestion. You know, he said being intentional. And the concept around auto-suggestion is really your self-talk. Like, what are you saying in your head? And it does tie back to faith. And we don't pay attention often enough to how our own thoughts can be holding us back. And Barbara mentioned something about feeling as well. And they talk about this and and just ask and it is given. And it's about the self-talk. It's about how you feel about that decision that you're making. And that's why I love how he says, what impact are you going to make? What positive impact? Because positive is a higher vibrational feeling, right? It's usually something that's going to make someone happier, more joyous, more excited, something that's on the positive side of the emotional scale, which then means it's going to make you feel good doing that and or feel good that you're you're affecting someone in that way. And so I think that's really important because it's going to change your state of mind, your subconscious thoughts, and it's going to give you a higher thing to go for so you can be more faithful in that desire. So I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. And then he talks about specialized knowledge. What do you guys think about that? Specialized knowledge, we well, sometimes may refer to it as niche, having a niche. Mm-hmm. I think what what you, mm-hmm. to piggyback, I'm looking at a quote that I wrote down. It said, Hill thinks that when people say that they have a gut feeling or a particular hunch, this is actually your sixth sense or intimate intelligence at work. And Mm. I think that really is so true. We ignore our gut feelings. Many years ago, I used to watch Oprah Winfrey's show and she was talking about, and I don't know why I'd seen many of her shows, but this one stuck. And it was Mm. just your ability to ignore your gut and don't do it. And I Mm. think you have desires. There's also that faith and ability to pay attention, but like to that core feeling that we we kind of fluff off, like, ah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe Mm -hmm. my feelings are not accurate, but really, I truly believe in gut feelings and we should pay more attention to them in anything. Mm -hmm. So that was, to me, very important in this whole conversation. 100%. Yeah, I I agree with Toby. And one of the things that he says, and I I didn't know this, but he said that Thomas Edison only went to school, like school school for three months. Mm. So, but yet he did not, um, lack education, and neither mm-hmm. did he die poor. And they even talked about how Ford he was under litigation, and the lawyers for the opposing party wanted to make him look ignorant. Mm-hmm. So they would ask him like questions like what started the revolution and all these different things. And he was like, and you know, and he finally said, and I'm also paraphrasing this one too. He said something along the lines of, "Look, I know enough about what I'm doing." To make me enough money to pay Uh-oh. people to answer these questions. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I love that. So, so, yeah. so that chapter, so I say that to say that chapter talks about two different kinds of knowledge, general and specialized. Mm. Mm. And it says general doesn't mean anything 
when it comes to an accumulation of money. And he also said knowledge will not Mm. attract money unless it is organized and intelligently directed through practical plans of action and a definitive end of accumulation of money. And what I liked about that was a story that he told about a young gentleman named Stuart Weir, where he was a construction engineer pretty much most of his life until the Depression. And he wasn't really making any money. And so he said to himself, what career can I do at this moment that's going to make me money? And he decided on corporate law. He went back to school. And mind you, he was already past 40. He was already, you know, over 40 years old. He was already married. Went back to school anyway, passed the bar. And he built a a successful business, a successful um, law practice. Mm. So that specialized knowledge helped Edison get to where he was. And we know Edison, like, you know, we can't say Edison without thinking about the light bulb, right? We know Ford, mm-hmm. uh, Ford, again, not school, not educated through school, but he knew enough specialized education to build a car, a Model T. Mm-hmm. And, we, mm-hmm. you know, people are still buying Fords to this day. That's you know? right. So specialized education, like the book stated, uh, helps you accumulate money. And I think they also were talking about not ever, and we were talking about this this morning before we got on the podcast, how when we're together, we feel so much more strong and, and goal-oriented and we can do this and let's go for it when we're together versus when we're alone. And they talk about that in the book. He says, don't isolate yourself. People will help you win, which mm. I'm definitely not going to let this podcast end without telling my story, Nova. Hello. <laughs> so one let's of my go. favorite parts of the book is that he talks about how he created a group of mentors. But what's interesting, you're like, okay, cool, whatever, is they were all dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they were all yeah. super famous people. And so I thought it would be really fun. And what we did over the holidays is we did a round robin and we each part of my family had to pick different people. We I did four. He had like 10 and they, my, they were like, we're not doing 10, but we did four. Mm-hmm. And it, so much fun to see different people in my family picking different, like who they would pick to be on their panel of mentors. And what's so neat about the book is he explained his mentors and he literally, it sounded crazy, but I loved it. He would meet with them weekly. And I he loved it too. Conversations with them on, this is what I want to do. What do you think? Well, Lincoln said this. And <laughs> I don't remember who all of who was on his board, but he picked Napoleon and he explained why he picked them. And it was really neat because we know, say, Napoleon for what we consider his historical value, in, but it's not why he picked him. He thought of him as like a persistent person. And I love that part of the book. That was definitely one of my favorite part of, parts of the book is surrounding yourself. And hey, if we think there's people that are no longer here, I picked Grandma Moses. I wanted her, her advice. And she, <laughs> and my daughters were like, really, Grandma Moses? I'm like, definitely. She, yeah. And Frederick Douglass, I picked. These were and mine were, interestingly, we should do that, figure it out. But mine, interesting, were all trailblazers. They were all people mm. that were told, no, that mm. will not work. That's a dumb mm. idea. And despite that, all really got it done. I love that. Yeah. They, I they were brave. They were very brave, all my people. So, so first of all, I want to just, you know, say to Barbara, thank you for sharing that story about... Ford and the specialized knowledge. And yes, this is the story Toby wanted to tell from the beginning of the podcast. So thank you. Thank you for bringing it up because I do think it's powerful. And, and you had mentioned just prior your belief in how intuition is such a big part of this, that sixth sense. And so I just want to, I want to just touch on those few things. So with this mastermind that Toby was sharing with us that Napoleon talks about, he it's actually a quite a big list of people and he uses imagination. And we mentioned this earlier in the podcast, how important imagination is in this process of success. Because if you box yourself into what's possible, and Barbara mentioned this earlier as well, anything that you can imagine and you can see, you can achieve. So if you can't see it and you believe that you can't see it, then that's really your reality. And so it's so important to find ways to expand your imagination. And one of these ways could be through this mastermind group. And yes, it could be people that you know, it could be your boss and your mentor from high school and your spouse and your best friend and your neighbor. And, or it can be individuals that 
you admire for their character traits, their physical traits, their intellectual traits, whatever it is that, that are no longer alive. And you bring them together and through your imagination, you have these dialogues. And he said he wasn't ashamed to, to share it. Now he didn't talk about it then, <laughs> but he said he was going to absolutely include it in his book. And it was something that later on he started to publicly talk about because he really felt that these characters started to come to life in his mind and he was able to pull things from them that he felt that he may have been weakened. And so I think it's so powerful, not only for us to have mentors that we can talk to in real life, in our lives where we feel compliment and add to our character, but then look at those, as Toby had shared, the trailblazers that you admire for one reason or another and use your imagination and create this mastermind and also take the time to tune in you know the sixth sense we all have it you know so you may know someone that seems to quote unquote always be lucky or always get the right parking space or always they're tapping into something higher they're tapping into that sixth sense that intuition and if we allow that to guide us more there would be less mistakes we make along the way if there's let's say three jobs to take and i remember this position was offered to me was with a startup and I knew the founder. I was working with him as a consultant and I was in my early twenties and really got along and loved the idea. And then he offered me this role. And within that same week, a recruiter called and said, I need you to absolutely come in for this interview. And something told me just to go for the interview. And I went for the interview and I got offered the position on the spot at the end of the interview, which normally never happens because they used a recruiter and this and that. And, but the, the owner of the company and vice president offered me the role right there. And it was a job that I never would have looked for on my own, never would have thought about going after. And something in my gut told me to take that position. And so I turned down my friend's offer and went for that position. And just the quick end result, the startup ended up <laughs> almost failing, but didn't fail. But almost everyone got laid off. It was a very, very stressful environment, like 60, 80 hours a week. You had to leave at 10 o'clock at night. They would ship pizza in almost every night to feed everyone. And what happened was four weeks into the new job, I found out that I was pregnant. And so that startup culture wouldn't have been healthy for me to be in with a new pregnancy and a one-year-old. <laughs> and so sometimes you just, it may not make sense, but you go with your gut and you kind of feel your way to that decision. Like nothing on the outside made sense for me to take that position. Now they did offer me a good salary, but it was an area that I wasn't familiar with. It was just so out of my comfort zone. And I ended up developing a really strong relationship with my, with my boss and, and friendship. So, so anyway. That was just an, an example of how your intuition will guide you to something that may be for your higher good that's not obvious right in the immediate. So those are some really great points that you brought up. And I wanted to touch on just two things before we, we wrap up this show is his concept of taking this energy that he calls like sex energy and transmuting that. And there's this force that this energy has that leads to more creative outlets. And you can use this energy to be more imaginative or inventive or solve more problems. So I just want to, it's again, it's something that you would never think would be in a business book or get rich, get rich how to get rich book. Want to know what your thoughts are, ladies, about his chapter on transmutation of sex. It reminds me of, <laughs> so I had an old boss, well, he's not old, and at a job that I used to have, I had a boss. And this man was Mensa. Like he was just ridiculously intelligent. I'm not going to tell you how he got kicked out of Mensa. It had to do with a frog in a box and he just crazy. But he was so intelligent. And I used to love, he was my mentor. And I used to love listening to him because I was just amazed at how he, he never thought linearly. Linearly, am I saying that word right? Like you never, he, he always, it was just the way that he thought things through was very different to me than how an average person would think. And I was just infatuated with, with his mind. 
And one day I remember talking to him and he was perplexed that women, the women in our company were incredibly attracted to him. And he was very nice. Um, I would say that he was flirtatious, but he never considered like the way that he communicated was flirtatious because he communicated with everybody pretty much the same way. And I remember speaking to him because some of the women like would jokingly accuse him of using like his sexual like prowess, I guess, to get things to get his way. And he just was, again, perplexed by this because he had no idea that he did that he did that. So I was like, you don't realize, you know, that you're attractive. You don't realize it. And he was like, no, like it never occurred to him that he was a very good looking man. It never occurred to him that women found him sexy. It never. Do you think it was his confidence that? I Definitely his confidence. Absolutely his okay. confidence, his intelligence too. Like he was ridiculously confident. Would you say he was? Him. Yeah, but, the good um, looking part doesn't hurt. What Would, you, would you say he's creative as well? Very, or? absolutely. Mm. And I think one of the, one of the things we had conversations and in the, those conversations, it made me realize that he wasn't really like sex wasn't first and foremost in his mind. Like it was, it wasn't when he spoke to women, when he like, there would be gorgeous women, like literally, like, I don't even see how he didn't get it. Throwing themselves whenever we went to restaurants, meetings, he didn't. And he never, like, it never occurred to him. Like he never looked at this woman and was like, oh, she's, attractive and I want to do that. Never. Like the men around him were pigs, you know? <laughs> so it's but, interesting as you're sharing that, would you say, and I'm not meaning to cut you off, but my brain is like, doo, 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 doo. so he's holding back this energy. It sounds like he's completely. obviously brilliant and creative and maybe funneling it into those outlets. And therefore it's not necessarily, oh, I'm coming to work. I'm going to these places, these social events or these outings in order to attract the opposite sex, Never. but I'm, I'm being mean, I'm taking this energy and I'm diverting it into these other areas. Is that what you're thinking was yes, going on? Super successful. Taught himself how to play the electric guitar. This man, anytime he touched upon something or wanted to learn something, he didn't just do well. He excelled at it. Mm, excelled. Interesting. And when I read this chapter, I'm telling you ladies, when I read this chapter, I haven't thought about this man in, let me see, my daughter's 10, maybe nine years, nine and a half years. And this, he was the first person that popped in my head when I mm. read this chapter. Yeah. Wow. So that's interesting that. Mm-hmm. I know it's Toby, a tangent, but still. I just no, no, no. I, I get it. I get it. Like he, he took that energy and put it into his creative pursuits, but oh, he yes. could have easily put it elsewhere, but he decided to use that for his, to enhance his gifts. Is, uh, very, very successful. Very successful. Interesting. Toby, what are your thoughts on this chapter? I, don't laugh. I, it didn't resonate with me. It just, mm. I didn't connect. I didn't feel a, a deep connection with it at all. I mean, I think I'm, a, people have told me I'm pretty flirty, but I'm not, I don't think of it. I flirt with women too, probably a little differently because there is, there is a difference, but I'm, when I'm feeling confident, I'm outgoing. I'm already an outgoing person. And if I'm in a great space, I'm even more outgoing and very chatty. And I think that for me, it didn't, I didn't really fully connect with that. But if yeah. I'm myself and I'm out in the world, like people will say like, you're so flirty. Which I never see that side of me. I, it's more to me like a confidence than a flirtiness. But yeah, I get Got it. it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. So I'm just going to just summarize pretty much his thoughts. Napoleon's thoughts on this is that the sexual drive, the thoughts of expressing that physically can be used in a highly creative way and can be used as a force for success. And it, part of that is just applying willpower. So that's, I guess, in summation of his thoughts on that chapter. But I thought it was interesting. I wasn't expecting to see that, the sixth sense, the imaginative mastermind, and... <laughs> Um, faith in a book that talks about success and riches. So that was that was something that jumped out at me. So for some of the takeaways, and I'd love for you guys to jump in here. Uh, Nova, that, one, yeah. one, sorry, one last thing that I thought was sure. very interesting that they put in the book was the discussing death. And I didn't want it because mm. I think it, it's one of the later chapters and it yeah. talks about, and we had just finished Cafe on the Edge of the World, which talks yeah. about, fear of death. And then 
our podcasts are crazy how they just all connect. And so I was like, you know, I have at times been really afraid of death growing up when you're younger. One of my daughters is deathly afraid, has a phobia. She's been going through stuff about death, trying to figure it out. But I think that what was interesting and also why is that in Think and Grow Rich? Like what? Mm. Um, but I think what he was saying is if you live your life thoughtful mm-hmm. and, and mm. also cafe on the edge of the world and doing things that you want to do, first mm-hmm. of all, you'll be rich because you'll be successful. But on top of it, at the end of the day, you don't feel fear death because the fear of death is the fear that you didn't do what you wanted to do. And now it's mm. time's no longer here. And it was mm. a good way to conclude. It was really towards the end of the book. So I wanted to make sure people, it's a disservice to yourself to not yes. find your desire and then go after that because at the end of the day, it's no fun to be afraid to die. So yeah, I, I, agree. I love you know, that. I, love I think that. we want us to conclude without talking about that little piece of the book. And you That's know, perfect. I think with this book, it puts a lot of the, between the power of now even with Mutant Message, you know, I like I said, Ask Him It Is Given. There's a couple of books, several books actually, that we have read that Napoleon Hill, without realizing it, implemented those ideologies into his book. Mm-hmm. We think about, the, I think the overall theme when I think about some of the books that we've read is the power of the mind, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. living in mm-hmm. the present. Because mm-hmm. that chapter that you told, you know, not, not that chapter, but that, that one um, section where it talks about death. Mm-hmm. To me, what I got from it, Toby and Nova, was live in the present, live in the mm-hmm. present, embrace mm-hmm. the now. And if you think about living in the now, focus on your desires, focus on your purpose. There was something that, what is it that Ford once said? And again, I do a lot of paraphrasing because I also forgetful. <laughs> I'm working on it. But he said something along the lines of you are not you only fail if you don't serve, if you fail mm. to serve. You only mm. fail if you fail to serve. And it's like, who are we serving? What What are we the vessel of? What are we, mm. you know, who's speaking through us? Or what do we want to, what is our, like the cafe at the edge of the world? What is our true purpose in life? Like, what is it that we want the world to know either about us or about whatever it is that we think is important? Yeah. Um, and I think that this book, to me, it's not just about, financial, you know, think and grow rich. It's about believing in yourself, Mm. believing in what you can achieve and reaching those goals for yourself, but not just for you, for society as a whole. And I think that's what I got out of the book. I love it. I think both of those points are so powerful. And going back to the comment of the fear of death, there are so many fears that tend to slow us down and or cripple us. You know, the fear of poverty, the fear of criticism, the fear of ill health, the fear of loss of love, the fear of old age. And of course, one of the biggest ones, the fear of death. And I think it's important for us to take the time to reflect on our fears and to say, well, are any of these fears causing doubt, procrastination, indecision, and address them? And because if, going back to Barbara's point, if you are in the present moment, Definitely get the book, The Power of Now, or listen to our podcast on it. (laughs) If you are in this moment right now and you're breathing, that is the most important thing. And when you look through the lens of just being grateful that you could take a breath, do all those other things even matter that you're afraid of? And so it's, I think it's also, he talks about all these things you can do, but if you're not addressing those fears, then the same habits and behaviors and patterns are going to continue to show up. So I think that this is a perfect place to wrap up the book. And I want to thank you, ladies. This was a powerful read. I read it many years ago and was grateful that I had the excuse to read it again. I think it's a book that, like a lot of the books that we've selected and reviewed on this podcast, The Alchemist, The Power of Now, Autobiography of a Yogi, and it just goes on and on, Unleash Your Supernova. It's a book that you can read over and over again and get something new every single time. And I actually recommend reading it at least a couple of times. Barbara went out and got the what the workbook. Barbara, what did you get? I got the journal. <laughs> the journal. So however you can continue to have the information um, repeat itself because you know it takes time to build up 
habits and it will take time to remove them as well if they're not serving you. So that's it, y'all. This is another episode of, (laughs) I'm going to say of Think and Grow Rich, but no, it's another episode of Tuesday's Book Club. Always a pleasure to read these books and share my thoughts with these two lovely ladies. Thank you, Toby. And thank you, Barbara, for joining me on this incredible journey of transformation and grateful to our listeners to continue to come back and share their journey with us as well. And if there are any... Sorry, I'm so glad to see you with this book. What a great way to close this season out. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. And you could find Tuesday's Book Club at Pink Kangaroo, and that's kangaroo with the U at the end.com. You can reach out to us there as well. If there's books that you recommend that you would like us to share with our listeners, please get in touch with us. Also, if anyone is doing the writing down their goals, their money goals, and then if any of that comes to pass and you want to share that with us, well, we want to hear success stories too. And which of these books have changed your life that we've uh, shared on? Tuesday's book club, which of these books have shown or helped you transform the most. So we'd love to hear all of that. Again, pinkkangaroo.com. That's kangaroo with a U. And again, thank you, Toby and Barbara. Thank you to our listeners for joining us again. Please pass us on, share, like, subscribe, continue to come back and listen to our shows and share it with those around you that you feel need it most. Yeah. And again, thanks again. This is Tuesday's Book Club. I'm one of your hosts, Nova Lorraine. And until next time. Bye, everyone.